You're listening to Love Talk Live with the relationship expert, Jamie Bronstein, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Love Talk Live. I'm your host, Jamie Bronstein, and today I have with me Rebecca Weininger. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Hi. I'm so happy to interview you because, you guys, this lady is moving mountains, changing lives, and just helping people on the daily. So I'm so excited to ask you so many questions about the work that you do. And But before we get into that, I'm going to read about you so that everybody can really get a, a feel for what we're going to be talking about today. So Rebecca Weininger is the first full-time director of the Domestic Violence Law Practice at the North Suburban Legal Aid Clinic, where she oversees programs and services that support access to justice for domestic violence survivors. She is the leading voice for domestic violence survivors and their advocates in Illinois. As a bilingual attorney specializing in domestic violence, Rebecca provides direct legal services to survivors of domestic violence. She has developed a range of innovative initiatives and approaches to reach survivors and get them the legal help and wraparound services they need to go on to live productive and secure lives. Before joining NSLIC, Rebecca spent over 20 years as a litigator in federal and state trial and appellate courts. Rebecca graduated cum laude from Northwestern University of Law. She received a BA with distinction from Vassar College. Rebecca resides in Highland Park with her husband and four children. So um, where, yes, go on. That's, that's it. That's, that's, oh. this is my, this is my life. This is what I do. I have, I have my family and my children and I have my job. And these are the things that I love in the world. So can you tell us about the work that you do and how did you get into this work? And do you feel like it's your life calling and just tell us about you and your work? Um, I will tell you that I wake up every day completely fulfilled by the work that I do. Um, and so I think the common question is, is how is this work not haunting, right? I mean, how, how can this work be fulfilling yeah. without tearing you apart? Um, and what I want you to know is that the stories that I hear, um, I, I have the privilege of hearing. Um, I get the honor um, of being the confidant um, of incredible, mostly women, some men, um, mostly women who have decided um, that they identify as survivors of domestic violence and they're ready to work towards their independence. Um, and they trust me with that journey to be their companion on that journey. Um, and so instead of falling apart when I hear these stories, and I do a little, right? I mean, we cry together all the time. Um, I get to participate in this moment of, of liberation. Um, and that to me uh, is fulfilling personally. It's fulfilling of my faith. It's fulfilling of uh, everything for which I, I went to school and, and as a mother, as a wife, as a human being on the planet. Um, to, to me, that's really everything. Uh, it is so much more than than just my my calling. I I love it every day. Um, I got here because my first job after my clerkship out of law school was working for um, 
an immigration law firm where I represented women and children seeking asylum um, and relief under the domestic violence uh, immigration laws. Um, and that sort of morphed into where I am now a billion years later. And after I got a lot of more tools in my basket, right? I mean, we're women, we collect experiences and, and we turn them into skills and we turn them into talents and we make them work for the people around us. Um, and that's what I did with my career. And here I am. And I, I wake up every day thrilled um, to be able to do this work for my community. And you are so, it's so apparent that you're so passionate about your work and that's why you're good at it also. Um, it's what makes me survive, right? I mean, there, there, how many of us were raised, you know, do what you love, do what you love. And it's really hard to figure out what you love. It's really hard to figure out when you're growing up who you are even. Um, you have to get really lucky, um, but you have to you have to be courageous enough to ask enough questions. Who am I? What fulfills me? And what realistically can can I do? This work isn't for everyone and that's okay. This is not a judgment, right? This is, it's, it's okay if this isn't your work. Care about something, care about it a lot, and then do a lot about that thing that you care about. And this is just the thing about which I really, really care. Um, my daughter, my oldest daughter and I are survivors. Um, and I think that that has something obviously to do at least with the amount of empathy and compassion that I bring um, to the position, but but mostly um, it just it's it I feel an obligation um, to help people who are on the road to independence um, get there, and and this is the way that I I can give. And thank you so much for sharing and being vulnerable about that, because I think it's important that people don't look at people that are helping other people as they have a perfect life or anything like that. Cause nobody has a perfect life. Everybody has challenges. Everybody has some sort of trauma, whether it's big T or little T trauma. And it's all relative because it's big regardless to everybody and, and everybody has a healing journey. So I love that you shared that and it, and it makes sense that that your heart is even that much more in it because you really want to help these people and you really, you really do. And thank you for sharing that it's not always that you don't just not get involved or that you don't get emotional because you're a human. So it sounds like there's sometimes, like you were saying, it sounds like there's sometimes that you do get emotional. And then sometimes. Oops. Of, of, of course. The, the, the most important thing that I train on uh, when I, when I bring people on my staff is that we only really have one tool and that's the law. We're, lo we're lawyers. We're not trained as social workers. I do have a full-time social worker on my staff, um, but we are not they, we are not the social workers. Um, but we need to see our clients as whole people. Our clients are whole people that happen to have a legal problem. Um, and so are the people with us in the grocery store. Um, we, we are all walking with trauma of some sort or another. We, we, we can't possibly know what the other people in our lives 
are going through. Walk with kindness. Um, why not? There's, there's just no reason not to. That doesn't mean that some, some days the only thing I have to give, even as a mom, is sitting next to my kids and watch a movie. That I have nothing left. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes the same thing that I bring to my clients and, I, and, and I'm honest and I say, I, I am not at my best today. Here's, here's what I have to give. And, and, and it is everything that I have to give today. I'm going to give you everything I've got today, <laughs> but it's not going to live up to great expectations. But, but we're all, we're, we're, we're going to see our clients as whole, whole people. Um, this is part of it. This is part of their journey. It is not going to be the defining moment of their journey. The legal part isn't going to be, um, but we're going to be the brightest light um, on that journey that we can possibly be um, because the, the journey itself, the, the, the legal part is traumatizing, Jamie. The legal, the legal process is really traumatizing. Wow. Um, telling your story to strangers. I'm a stranger. Telling your story to multiple strangers. You have judges. You have opposing counsel. You might have an attorney that is assigned to represent your children. And you have to tell your story to that to that attorney too. There could be any number of strangers that come into your life um, through this process to whom you need to tell your story. Um, and that alone is traumatizing. Um, but we're going to be your companions in that. And we're going to see you as a whole person not just a person who has has legal needs, um, and 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 if you don't have that, um, then then this just isn't the area of law for you, um, and and that's okay. And and you know we you, you, it's a sort of self selecting, it's a self selecting group, um, but the but the clients that we see are from all walks of life. Um, domestic violence doesn't discriminate. It is. It is. It, it, it transcends religion and ethnicity and and socioeconomic status. In fact, the people who take the longest to get to me are 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 women who of of affluence. Yeah, I'm um, yeah. Well, they're probably worried that if they get a divorce, if they break up, that they're going to lose their affluence. Everything. And they, there's yeah. probably a little bit of if they are well known in a, in the community then what is this going to do to the perpetrator or whatever? So there's probably all exactly. of all of that. But they're going to lose their friends. They're going to lose their entire identities. Yeah. So it makes sense why they would hold back. Absolutely. They have more to lose. Right. Even though they have their freedom to gain. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and so that's why self-identifying as a survivor is sometimes the hardest step because they have a lot invested in not identifying as a survivor right. or people that have, you know, there's all kinds of stigma because of religion or because of their culture, what, you know, whatever it is. And if we don't respect that um, as their attorneys and understand that we are, um, we need to assuage not only their fears about the legal system, but, but about everything else that they are putting on the line um, the, you know, the common concern is he's going to take my kids and how much of, of those kinds of that kind of misinformation we need to get over when we when we meet with the client. It's the whole person that you're treating. It's the whole person that you're walking with. Um, and that's that's a privilege. That's I'm really lucky. Yeah. I mean, you know, you mentioned before sometimes that you you're just honest and you're like, this is 
all I have to give today. What came to me about that is that even just having someone hear you or be there physically with you is so powerful. And so even on those days when you might be running with half a tank, you're still there and that person trusts you. And that is such a gift to people. And, and sometimes that's all somebody needs is, is to hear, I believe you. Um, you know, one of the things that really scared us um, was during the pandemic, um, during lockdown, we're in Illinois, we serve the two biggest counties um, in Illinois, and there was, you know, a complete lockdown. Um, and we were terrified about how many people were being locked down with their abusers um, and the access that people would have um, to, 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 to resources and not being able to hear, you're not alone. We believe you. We know that this is going on and you are not alone. And that was the, that was the main source of connection that we were terrified people would be missing. Um, so what we did is we, we started a, a website, bananabreadhelp.com, where people could go and get resources that wouldn't put them at risk because it leaves no digital footprint. It looks like a banana bread recipe. In fact, it is a banana bread recipe. Um, but if your abuser walks by while you're getting resources, it just looks like a banana bread recipe. Um, but it's embedded with all of this domestic violence resources so that you know that you're not alone. The success of that website was bananas. Oh, actually, I didn't even mean to say that. But like, <laughs> whoa. Um, but I'm going to start saying that intentionally. Um, but it, it really did go crazy. And so what we started doing is um, a monthly cooking Zoom. So like, you know how everybody during the pandemic was like doing stuff online? Yeah. So we, our partners in the community started um, volunteering to do like baking Zooms online and so we would do a Zoom and on the camera would be somebody like doing a Zoom, doing a cooking demonstration. And in the chat was all my lawyers answering questions about divorce and, and custody. And so your abuser could be sitting next to you and you're literally logged on as Minnie Mouse asking questions about like, is this abuse in Illinois? Is this, you know, and, and so, and we were answering questions like, here's the likelihood of custody. Here's, here's this, you know, here's what you're entitled to. And you could do it completely anonymously, anything to sort of make those connections so that people knew that they're not alone. Access to us, access to help, access to just identifying, yes, you are in an abusive relationship and you are not alone. I how believe did, this is happening to you. How did people find out about bananabread.com? I mean, we just, we just publicized it any place that we could. So grocery stores, you know what I started doing? I started training all of the OBGYNs um, on the North shore and in Illinois, because we started thinking about where will survivors go and they'll be alone. So hairstylists, grocery stores, nail chains, Oh and OBGYNs. And so I started training all the OBGYNs that would let me in all the in North at Northwestern at North Shore to come up with protocols to start talking to their patients about whether they were in abusive relationships. And 
so that some of them would put up posters. If you believe that you're in an abusive relationship, ask me about my favorite banana bread recipe. Because sometimes if you just give them, give survivors a, a, a vocabulary that isn't, look at me, I'm in an abusive relationship, they'll start talking about it. Another way that we taught, we, we taught doctors to talk about abusive relationships was where, where, uh, um, on the top three things that are stressful in your life, where does your relationship fall? And talk about stress, causes of stress, ways to take the, 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 the pressure off of a really stressful conversation. Um, and it worked. It worked. We started to find survivors where they are and talk to them in atmospheres where they've already felt safe, libraries, uh, for instance, um, and turn those into safe spaces for survivors. This is an amazing story. Who thought of, I'm, I'm stuck in the banana bread thing because that is brilliant. Who thought of this? So this I, I did with Vernon, uh, a, a local library, Vernon area library. I said to them, we have two other practices in the clinic, immigration and housing. They can hold know your rights presentations, right? So they can go to your, your local what, whatever and put out a flyer and say, on this day at this time, hear ye, hear ye. We're going to give a Know Your Rights presentation. Come and I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about whether you're eligible for immigration relief or whether you're eligible for, um, you know, defense against eviction. But no one is going to come to my domestic violence party, right? <laughs> no one's going to come be with me. And so I went to Vernon Area Library and I said, if I make a series of videos, five-minute videos, less than five minutes, about every sequence, like how to identify if you're in an abusive relationship, what your rights are, what custody means, how the law has changed, so that someone can actually form a relationship with me. Will you host it in a non-threatening way and we'll create content around it? And they said, yes. So we we gave them the Android recipe, they formatted it and and then and then embedded it with links to these videos that I made. Oh my God. And then we just supplemented it and, and grew it and grew it. And then we, we, um, and, and then it, uh, you know, got a web designer and, and grew it from there and then added all this other content. So it was this incredible thing that was like this brain child of mine to have a know your rights presentation, but in a way that would not put survivors at risk. That's just so brilliant. And now you have this huge community and you've helped so many people like what are the numbers how many i'm just i'm so fascinated what are the numbers we can't possibly know because we don't we don't um we don't screen for it so we don't say like how many but we know that th with with within a month of its launch we had thousands of visits wow and now it's just over the top i mean we don't even we don't even keep count anymore um but then we have the visitors to the to the zoom to the cooking zooms and and we you know doing presentations everywhere. We're, we're the new our, our new project is to help women that are coming over the border into Illinois from all of the states that are putting restrictions on healthcare um, and uh, gender affirming care. You know just because Illinois ha, uh, uh, allows people who are fleeing domestic violence relationships to get um, orders of protection here in Illinois. So. We're, we're just trying to reach as many people as we can um, because everybody's entitled to the, to live the life that they want free of abuse. So what, 
what are the numbers, let's say nationwide, and then the numbers locally in terms of, I know you don't know exactly, but just so that people understand like how often this is happening and how big of a problem this is, how many people get abused per year? I mean, what are your, what are the stats? It's, well, it is the one of the most underreported crimes. Um, and it takes a really long time for someone to even recognize that they are being abused. Um, we call it domestic violence, and that has given our communities uh, permission not to get involved, um, even though it is one of the leading causes of a downturn in economy. So for instance, people who are abused don't go to work. They call in to work more than any other reason. People who are abused uh, don't go shopping. They don't participate in the economy. So it has a direct effect on the economy. In fact, that link is what got the Violence Against Women Act passed because of interstate commerce. The effect of domestic violence on interstate commerce was what allowed the federal government to pass legislation having to do with something that we consider to be behind closed doors. It is not. My message to everybody in, the, in, in our community is we're all stakeholders in attempting to eradicate domestic violence. If, all, if, what, if what you care about is the economy, domestic violence, you have, a, you have a stake in eradicating domestic violence because the economy is directly affected by domestic violence. Here's what I know. What I know is that I, I serve two counties in Illinois and I average 50 new cases a month. Oh my God. And these are the people that are even talking about it, that have gotten- well, These the are the point. people that are not only talking about it, but they're ready to seek help. And what has happened since, since the last administration, when vi since, since violence is, is, is encouraged in a way that it had never had been before, is that it's not only the quantity um, of domestic violence, we are up 60% from pre-pandemic levels. We're up 10% over that even now. Um, it's not the quantity of the cases, Jamie. It is the severity of the violence that we're seeing. We have a statistically relevant number of child sexual assault cases where we did not have that before. It is the severity of the violence, the desperation that is driving people to finally come to us um, that is absolutely terrifying. These relationships are based on power and control. Mm -hmm. And that can be power and control over finances, spirituality, religion, and obviously emotional and physical. And the extent of these injuries, financial injuries, spiritual injuries, emotional injuries, physical injuries, is at a level that you know I, I just have not seen before. Um, and it's absolutely heartbreaking. And, and so the, you know, the, the, the thing that keeps me awake at night um, is not the stories that I'm hearing. The stories that I'm hearing are the people that we're helping. What keeps me awake at night are the stories I'm not hearing. They're the people that don't know that we can help. They're the people that do think they're alone. They're the people that don't think that they're worthy of being independent and having access to help and understanding that they're that 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 we're here not to judge them we understand that it takes multiple times for somebody to successfully leave their abuser right if somebody calls us and all they want is information 
that's fine. We will be here with open arms when they come back the second, third, sixth, seventh time. It's okay. I just, it, the, the, the most important thing to know is that this is a judgment-free space where we want to participate wherever you are on your independence journey. And to add to what you were saying, worthy of love. They need to know that they're worthy, that they deserve to be in a relationship where they are treated with respect and kindness and love the way that everybody deserves to be treated. Jamie, it's so it's so true. What happens in these relationships, and I know that you know this, is that it starts out feeling awesome, right? I mean, it is all it is rainbows and sunshine, right? I mean, the first introduction by an abuser is not abusive. <laughs> They're charming right? and yeah. Right? It's incremental. And so by the time right. somebody gets to me, it, what they have turned love into and what they've come to accept and, and think that they're worthy of, it is heartbreaking. And then to watch them rise to, you know, over time, they, they get some sleep, they get some peace. They, they go through some therapy. They are, they're reminded that they are, you know, worth loving. It's, it's what the human spirit is capable of. I mean, it's really amazing. And then all of a sudden they are like these love machines, you know, that they're like so powerful and it's, it's incredible. And some of them come back and talk to us about, you know, check in and, and tell us about their really successful relationships that they get into after afterward. And it is amazing. I mean, well, it also, whether it's abuse or just a relationship you're not happy in, when you eventually do find that love, that right love for you, you appreciate it so much more. And so what you're describing is it's almost, it's like, it's like getting out of jail. It's, it's this freedom, this elatedness. And the beautiful thing is that they will always cherish their relationship. The one that, that adores them. That guy that comes in their life who says that he loves them and sees them and wants to be their protector, even though, of course, okay, girls don't need saving, whatever. <laughs> but I'm, I'm a traditionalist, you know, we all want that Prince Charming to come in and save us or just to, to hold us, to walk on yeah. the, the side of the street where the cars are, whatever it is. Doesn't need to be crazy, but to have those physical arms and to feel safe in a man's arms is, I think, one of the best feelings in the world. But what if, what if saving us means just loving us for who we yeah. are? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that to me is like, I mean, that's incredible. That is saving us because that is yeah. allowing us to be who we are is, I mean, that's amazing. And I've seen that and I've lived that. Jamie, I've lived that. I have, I have that. I mean, I remember, I remember the first night um, after I left and, and my oldest was 18 months old and, and we, we left, we were in so much danger and I was, uh, you know, educated at the top schools. My, my parents were, have been together since they were 14 years old. I grew up in a house of faith and love and support financial security. And I still, I still married an incredibly abusive man. And I, my, so my daughter was asleep. In my old bedroom, right? My childhood bedroom. Um, and she was in her crib and I was on a mattress on the floor in the office. And I remember thinking, how the heck did I get here? How did this 
even happen? What? (laughs) What the actual heck happened here? How is my life this big of a mess? Um, And then I I just like worked on, I mean, it was just the, the hardest two years and I worked and I worked. And then I, I, you know, I met Noah and he was like, I see, I see you. And, um, I see all of this and it's hot and it's beautiful and, and it's mine, it's ours. And we're going to do this. And I did feel saved. I did feel like this is it. This is my man and I'm safe. I'm safe now to be me, to be myself to be loved for all this crazy town. Mm. Um, And I don't spend a day without that gratitude. Yeah. Not a single day without that gratitude. And also what's coming to me is that safety is, is peace. So you were saying like safety, even if it's just safe or is love or to be saved is love. And, and it's that feeling of peace in your heart. You can just, you can relax. And so thank you, Noah, for coming into your life. How did you guys meet? Side note. At work. At work. At work. At work. Really great place to pick up dudes. Um, yeah. You went, yeah. Your yeah. lawyer, right? Yeah. I mean, it was the fr- my first job after my oldest, like, was in full-time school. Um, and so I got to really go back to work. I sort of took a strange, you know, um, detour off of my, uh, you know, uh, career trajectory when I, um, was a single mom for those years because I needed to be all the parents all the time and Mm -hmm. heal myself. And, um, so, and just be around for her as much as I could. Um, and then when she went to school full-time, I could sort of reinvest in, in that, in that litigator trajectory that I was on. Um, and, and the first job back, um, on that path, there he was. Um, and we'd grown up a mile apart, um, and never met. We went to the same high school, um, just two, two years apart at, at, in, at high school. And our parents were still in the city, in the town where we grew up. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of parallels and yeah, really bizarre. So, but, but if we had met then it it wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked the way that it, it works now. It happened. Everything happens in divine timing. hundred percent. It, it was incredible. And, and I see that, I mean, I see that in, in all of these, you know, other, when, when, when you take an abuser out of the home, either through an order of protection or through a divorce, or there's something called a parentage action, which is for, which is a divorce for people who aren't married, but have children in common. So it's the same sort of procedure. Um, and you talk to someone who goes through their first week, who has slept, who doesn't have that slow drip of abuse every day. You're not good enough. You're not okay. There's something wrong with you. You're damaged. And you turn off that noise. And and she, and I'm just going to use that that pronoun because it's, you know, for, for ease of conversation. And, and you talk to her after that first week. Where she, where she has just been able to be her and be the mom that she wants to be, that's a different that's a different person. You turn off that noise and it lets in it it it, it lets in so many other things. It lets in her strength. 
It lets in her peace. It lets in her calm. Um, and, and especially when she's, especially when she's a mom, when she can just be that mom and just feel that unconditional love for and from her children without balancing that safety, that emotional and physical safety. I, I get to see that every day. There's nothing like that. And it makes that space and it makes her available again for that because I think human beings have infinite capacity. I've, I've, I've had women that I've, who have been uh, come over from, from war countries of war, who have been the subject of torture. There's an infinite capacity to love and be loved. And there's an infinite capacity to heal. To That's right. There's not, you know, they walk a similar path. Yeah. Of yeah. Healing. Loving and healing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh God, I, we could talk about this forever and I could cry forever. This is so, so emotional. I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah. So as heart wrenching as the work is, you get to see the butterfly, you get to see yeah. the rebirth yes. and the strength. And it's just also amazing. But we have to do that for ourselves too. Right. I mean, like it's super naive to think that you can really just absorb all of that vicarious trauma and always be okay. Um, You have to take care of yourself, too. Um, I'm I'm not as I'm a work in progress um, on that. And and I admit that. Um, But, you you know, you have to you have to you have to you have to work the muscle of self-love. You you have to decide every day to love yourself. You have to decide every day to love other people like your spouse. Um, you wake up, you say, I'm dedicated to this relationship and I'm dedicated to the love that we're building. Um, and today I'm also dedicated to love identifying the things that I love about myself and investing in those things um, and dedicated to the relationship that you have with yourself. And if you don't do that, then then the darkness it is powerful, um, but we're more powerful. Yes. Light is is more powerful than dark. That's right. Okay, so where can people? I mean, it's important. There's banana bread. Where can people find you? Find me. Find me, and 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 I will help. Um, I'm uh, the director of the um, domestic violence law practice at the North Suburban Legal Aid Clinic, North Suburban Legal Aid Clinic, NSLAC. Um, uh, we're in Highland Park, Illinois. Um, but I will consult with anybody. Um, obviously, some of these laws are specific to Illinois that we practice, um, but the concepts of domestic violence um, and ways to creatively um, reach survivors and think about strategies are universal. Um, so North Suburban Legal Aid um, Clinic um, and website? my org, um, and um, and. Um, my phone number is 847-737-4042. Um, and you can ask for me directly, Rebecca Weininger, um, R Weininger, R-W-E-I-N-I-N-G-E-R at N-S-L-A-C, um, um, what is it? N-S Legal Aid, nslegalaid.org, nslegalaid.org. Yeah. And even if somebody is not in... Um... Illinois, they could, you could help them find somebody in their, this this lady wants to help you. 
That's it. I'm here. You're not alone and I'm here. Call me, email me, rweininger at nslegalaid.org. I'm here. And is it bananabread.com? No. It's bananabreadhelp.com. Okay. Thank you. And um, everybody can also, can always find me at therelationshipexpert.com. If you have any questions about the show or anything in general, you can always find me there. And if you can't reach Rebecca, I'd be happy to to direct you to Rebecca. So thank you so much, Rebecca. You are a powerhouse. Oh my God. Thank you so much. I, I know that you just saved some lives, 100%. Talking to you has uh, filled my cup. No doubt about it. Oh, wonderful. Thank you for being my bright star today. It really... I'm really grateful for your energy and your warmth and your love. I can feel it. And I can't wait to spend more time with you in any capacity that that happens. I will be lucky. Well, I am so grateful for you and for the work that you do. Seriously, it's just amazing. Like there, I mean, there aren't even any words. So Mm -hmm. thank you for joining us today. And everybody, thank you for joining me on Love Talk Live. Join us every week, Love Talk Live, LA Talk Radio at 2 p.m. Pacific. Have a great night, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to Love Talk Live with the relationship expert, Jamie Bronstein, only on LA Talk Radio.